Thank you, thank you. What time are we working out, Pastor Joshua? What time is that happening? 2.30. So if you want to join us, come hang out with us at 2.30. Uh, I don't know if, if actually Joshua is going to be there hanging out, working out with us, because he's like, I haven't done this in a while, so it's going to be fun, right? Come on, somebody. If you want to see him suffer, come join us. It's going to be incredible. Hey, I want to introduce my family really quick, because I know I have limited time with you guys. Uh, I actually uh, graduated from North Central. I met my wife here. I have a picture of my wife up on the screen, I believe. Uh, my college sweetheart we met here. She played volleyball uh, for the team. Uh, not only did we meet here, but I think we broke up right around up there. Um, she was not sure she wanted to marry a pastor. I was like, well, that's a problem because I'm training to be a pastor. And she's like, I don't know if I want to raise kids in ministry. I don't know if I want to do this whole thing. And so I prayed hard that God would speak to her, and he did. And uh, our oldest, uh, we have a picture of our girls up here on the screen. Um, our oldest there in the middle, Brianna, is going to be coming here this fall playing for the volleyball team. So it's kind of cool. And um, uh, Brianna... Isabella and Brooklyn are all volleyball players. So maybe maybe all of them will come here. Uh, but we love North Central. Thank you for having me today. Also, I want to introduce our dog because she's, she's a part of the family as well. This is Mia. Um, she's full grown, y'all. She's seven years old. Uh, she's like the, the cutest puppy. So all of them are praying for you. My mom's here as well, somewhere in the audience. Mama Brown, some of you know Mama Brown. Um, and so really grateful to be here. I'm grateful that you guys would would, uh, show up on this day. I know you have lots of things to do, but all of you who are here at Chapel, uh, this is a dream for me to just come back and give back to a school that I love so much. Um, I grew up in Minnesota, so I'm a Minnesota boy. I now live in Wisconsin or in the Chicago area, but I grew up in Minnesota, and every single summer we would go on vacation together as a family. Any of you uh, love summer vacation? You guys probably went to cool places like Disney and places like California. Maybe you went to um, Yellowstone. We went to South Dakota every year. Anyone from South Dakota here? All right. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, and I'm not hating on South Dakota, but we didn't even go any cool places in South Dakota. We didn't go to Mount Rushmore. We didn't go to the Badlands. We went camping by some random lake in South Dakota. Mom, uh, I'm traumatized still. I meet with my counselor about this. Um, so we went to South Dakota, and we went camping. It was actually a really good time. I enjoyed it. But one summer, my parents are like, we're going to get crazy. We're not going to just go camping, but we're going to go to the, your cousin's farm. I'm like, woo, sounds like a good time. Let's go to the farm. So my cousin Ben and my cousin Nikki showed us kind of the, the, the ropes of being on the of farm life. And while we were there that particular day, they're like, we're going to go bale jumping. Hay bale jumping. Anyone ever been hay bale jumping? I'm not talking like this, you know, the small bales. I'm talking about these gigantic bales that you see up here on the screen that are like about six foot in diameter, um, about as tall as I am. And we, what, what my, my uncle, Uncle Joe would do is he lined the field where the cattle would run through to go out to the field to, to eat. Um, he lined the field with these bales. So as, we, as it, they left the pen, the bales were closer together. But as we got further out to the field, uh, they were further apart. And so we, we would go and jump from one bale to the other. And Cousin Ben, who's a couple years younger than me, showed me how to do, do the thing. And so you take a couple steps back, and then you take a flying leap, and you jump to the bale. So I followed, and then my brother Dan, and then Cousin Nikki, who's the only female in the group. And as we got closer to the end, Ben's like, you're going first. And I'm like, bro, this is like Olympic-level jumps here. We're going to break some world records here. 
So you, you, know, you take a couple steps back. We got to the very final bale, um, from one bale to the next, and I, I step back, and I'm like, bro, I don't know if I'm going to make this. Like, that's a pretty far jump. So you take a couple steps, and you kind of feel your heart pumping as you're looking over the edge. This is pretty high up for a kid who's about 12 years of age. So I take a couple steps back, and I go, and I just fully commit, take the flying leap, and I land on the other side, and I stick the landing. It was, it was pretty, I was pretty pumped. I was pretty proud of myself. I'm going to pat myself on the back for that pretty awesome jump. Uh, it was probably about 27 feet or something like that, nothing big. And um, then Cousin Ben goes, and he takes the flying leap, and he kind of looked like Mario running through the air. He's like, oh, I'm coming. And he lands on the other side, barely sticks it, almost kind of falls back and teeters, and, but he, he, he landed the jump. And then my brother Dan goes, and Dan, you know, again, about two and a half years younger than me, I'm like, okay, nothing would make this a loving brother's heart more happy than to see him miss the jump, you know, just so I can rub it in for the next seven years or 20-something years, and so Dan goes, and he takes a couple steps back, and he, he takes the flying leap, and he hits the other side, but he lands it with his elbows, so his feet never make it, but he pulls himself up by his arms, and he gets onto the bale. Now, it's Cousin Nikki's turn. Again, she's the only female. She's only about a year younger than me, and Cousin Nikki is definitely not sure about this, but us being the loving, amazing cousins that we were in her life decided to encourage her, so we're like, Nikki, Nikki, Nikki. And so she's like, you know, doing the thing. And guys, I don't know. This is really a dumb idea. I'm, I'm really not sure about this. And after about three times of going back and forth, we're like, Nikki, Nikki. And so she takes those steps back, and she takes whatever little takeoff that she can off of this, this hay bale, and she starts flying through the air, pumping her arms and her legs. And all of a sudden, mid-jump, it's like she's looking back, wishing that she had never left the safety of the first bale. Right? So she's like this. She's like, no! And all of a sudden, she hits the bale in front of her, face first, just slams into it, jerks back, and falls to the ground face first. Now, do you remember what this lane was particularly for where the, yeah, cattle. So, you know, they they have business to do sometimes. You guys know where I'm going with this? Nikki landed face first. (laughs) It was a soft landing, okay? It was... It was a soft landing. She, she lands face first in a fresh, warm, moist cow pie. And I wish that I could say that I was empathetic and loving and kind, but the moment that she pushed her arms up and her face comes off of that fresh cow pie, and the, this is the part that got me. She opened her eyes. <laughs> Her face was just covered, and all of a sudden you see these two white little eyeballs poking out. <laughs> and she had little danglies off of her eyelids, her eyelashes. It was, it was disgusting. And we lost it. I mean, we were all dying laughing. There was no encouragement. There was all laughing. And then she opened her mouth. All right, I don't need to say anything more. I mean, she had stuff in her teeth. It was disgusting. I wanted to say this. Because Nikki had this moment of decision where she left the one bale and she's jumping to the other bale and she looked back to safety. 
And I think a lot of us live our lives. You've made a commitment to follow Jesus. You've come to North Central. You guys have made probably more of a decision and a commitment than most others to be at a Christian university, to follow God, to say, I'm giving him my whole life for my whole life. Like, I'm, there's no turning back, and yet we live our lives still looking back to safety, Looking back to what we left, the friends that we left, we still try and hang on to that old way of life oftentimes. Kind of reminds me of Lot's wife, doesn't it? We have to fully commit all in, no turning back. I don't know if we've ever seen this shirt before um, that says uh, half hood, half holy. Anyone have this? Any of you? Okay. Basically underneath, that means pray with me, don't play with me. So, come on, some of you know you have a half-hood side. Like it comes out when you're on the field or on the court. Like nobody likes to play with you when the half-hood side comes out, right? Or when you're driving in traffic, you know that hood side comes out, right? Or when that professor somehow loses your paper. There's, there's, there's a half-hood side in all of us, but there's also this half-holy side. And I think while we can joke about something like that, that kind of apparel, I think oftentimes we have that kind of way of living, that mentality. And I want to challenge that today to each one of you. Because we are making decisions, every single step that we take is a vote towards the, the us that we're becoming, the people that we hang out with, the way that we talk, the music that we listen to, the decisions that we make on a daily basis, whether they're integrous or they're lacking integrity, we are making a vote in the direction of the person that we're becoming. Craig Rochelle says it this way, the quality of your decisions determines the quality of your life. And I don't know anyone who wakes up on their very first day of North Central, their first day of college is like, man, I want to ruin my life. I would like to be addicted to porn. I'd like to ruin my marriage. I'd like to be addicted to alcohol. I'd like, to, I'd like to be 40 pounds overweight on blood pressure medications. I don't think anybody wakes up with that as their dream, but we make decisions that lead us towards that every single day. So I'm here to challenge you in the decisions that you're making and making sure that we are making the right decisions and the vote for the person that we're wanting to become. See, I, I believe the enemy wants us to buy the lie that's on that shirt, that we can have godliness or holiness and we can have worldliness he wants us to do everything that we can he wants to do everything that he can to get a hold of you and to believe that lie because here's what he knows will happen you cannot choose both you cannot choose both when you pursue the things of the world these ladders will represent that let's say this ladder uh the yellow one represents the things of this world Every single step in this ladder is a, a step in the direction of pursuing the things that this world has to offer. And this ladder represents the, the ways of God, godliness. Every single step that we take, you taking notes right now in chapel, we know that as you take notes, you probably go like three or four steps up the ladder. Come on, somebody, right? You choose to not skip chapel and just check in and then jet, slash and dash, I think we used to call it. You choose to not do that, but you're like, no, I'm, I'm actually going to engage. You know what? I'm, I'm going to get up on, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to go up on the, on the stage and join the worship team. You're taking steps in the direction of godliness. You're pursuing him. You woke up maybe early this morning to spend time with him in the word. 
Not just because it's an assignment, because you truly, genuinely want to grow closer to him. But then, and when I say worldliness, I'm not talking about the stuff that we would normally think. I'm not just talking complete debauchery and sin. I'm just talking about anything that pulls your attention and your affection away from God. And so, all of a sudden, we get done with chapel, and we're hanging out with our friends, and they start sharing something about somebody, and we, we take a listen to it, or we start participating. What did, what did they say? What did they do? And all of a sudden, we're in pursuit of something different than what God has for us. Maybe it's in the, in the choices you make at night, in the quiet of your room when nobody's looking, and you're scrolling and looking at things that you ought not lay your eyes on. Maybe it's through the, the music that you listen to. It's not that it's necessarily bad, but it doesn't pull your heart and your attention and your affections towards him. And so we make decisions and we make choices and then we get back to chapel or we're there on, on, on Sunday and we're, we're wanting to grow in God and we want the things of God and so we're, we're taking a step in God's direction and we're growing and we're hungry and yet we still want, we still want what's over here. Whew. I'm glad somebody set these up right. And we find ourselves trying to pursue both. But can I tell you this? You cannot pursue the things of this world while pursuing the things of God. There's going to be a point in your journey upwards that you have to choose. You must decide. There ain't no further that I can go right now. This is about as flexible as I get. Come on, somebody. I was telling my daughter, Bella, our middle daughter who's 14, that I was going to be doing this at NCU Chapel. She's like, Dad, what if you split your pants and embarrass yourself? It's a real problem. It could happen. I wore my stretchy pants today. Here's the reality. Yes, that would be embarrassing. I could fall and kill myself. Joshua, you would be liable. Why did you give that guy two ladders? But the, the, the reality is this. It is more embarrassing when we try and live like God and live like the world. How do you think that looks to the world around us? We think that we're getting away with it, but people are watching. There's nothing more embarrassing to his kingdom than a church that is hypocritical. Come on, somebody. You know that. You've been hurt by hypocritical Christians. You must decide. You must choose. This is the hard part here. All right. We made it. We made it. The word decide comes from the Latin word decidere. Somebody say decidere. Congratulate yourself. You just spoke Latin today. It must feel good. Sedere means to cut or to strike. D, D means off or away. So desidere effectively means to cut away or to cut off. As you may have guessed, this is the same. This, this D side, side, that part of the word comes from the word suicide or homicide or genocide or decimation. And all of these are terms for nasty kinds of death. These death-related words are all connected because of the correlation between to cut and to kill. Because to decide is to cut off or to kill off all other options. I don't want to damage the piano. But to cut off or to decide, to desidere means I am no longer making this an option. It is no longer an option in my life. These friends are no longer an option in my life. These, these kind of voices speaking into me are no longer an option in my life. I am cutting them off. Galatians 5.16 through 
26 says it this way. Would you read it with me? You don't need to read it out loud, but you can follow along. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful, your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. Do you find yourself in the tug of war between your sinful nature and your new nature in Christ? Welcome to the club. It's called being human. We all wrestle with that. And there's this wrestle going on between your sinful desires and the desires that the Spirit gives. These two forces are constantly fighting each other so that you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Verse 18, but when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Here's what they are. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. When you follow his ways, when you pursue what he has, when you take steps in his direction, this is what's produced. Love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's a word for somebody here today. There is no law against these things. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions. Did you catch that? Have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Desidere. They have decided to cut off, to kill off, to nail them to the cross, and to crucify them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Not most parts, not 99% of the parts, in every part of our lives. I think the, Spirit, the Holy Spirit is less concerned with what you've already given him. Well, I've given him my life. I decided to go to North Central when I could have gone to this school. I remember making that decision as a senior in high school. God, I'm giving you all of my life. I decided not to go and play football. Now I'm going to go pursue what you have for my life instead of what I wanted for my life. God, you should give me a medal. Pin it on my chest. I'm following after you. And he's like, I'm not concerned about what you've already given me. I'm concerned with, about what you're still holding on to that you haven't given me. Think about it this way. Like a spouse that's like, I'm going to give my wife roses. I'm going to show her I love her. But then he's secretly dealing with porn. Do you think she's concerned about the roses when she finds out about the porn? No, she wants all of his heart, all of his affection, all of his attention. And God is the same. I can think of no better prayer for every single one of us here at North Central University, students and faculty alike, than the prayer of Psalm 8611 that David prayed. And that would be the title of the message today. It says this, give me an undivided heart. Give me an undivided heart, Lord, that I may fear your name. The New International Revised Version says, give me a heart that doesn't want anything more than to worship you. Worship team can come, begin to play. That word, undivided heart, means 100% of my attention and my affection for you and you alone. Another way to say it would be give me a singleness of heart. Give me an undivided heart. 
When I think about that word undivided or singleness of heart, 100% of my affection, I think about several different brushes we have in our, in our house. Go with me for just a second. We're almost done. We have three, three different kinds of brushes, and all of them have different purposes. We have a toilet brush. Anyone can use the toilet brush in our house. If you want to go clean my toilet, toilets, have at it. Have a party. Toilet cleaning party at the Brown House. Let's go. Anyone can use it. But there's, there's another brush in our house that really has a little bit more focused purpose. It's my hairbrush. Oh, where is my hairbrush? Anyone? And my, go- my daughters, with all their blonde hair, I can tell when they've used my hairbrush. And I'm okay with it. It's, I mean, I got to clean hair out of the vacuum cleaner. I got to clean hair out of my brush. It's, it's a lot of hair. But I'm okay with my family. But not anyone outside of my family, I love you, but you're not touching my hairbrush, okay? Not that you'd even want to. That's weird. But there's one brush that ain't nobody touching, not even my wife. It's my toothbrush. You know what I'm talking about? I love you, honey. I'm all about making out with you. Let's kiss, but you ain't touching my toothbrush. It's nasty. Keep that out your mouth. Right? It's got a singleness of purpose. Undivided. 100% devoted to me. And do you know that God is a jealous God? That's what he wants from you. He does not want your heart and your attention and your love and your affection divided anywhere else. The Bible says that he's a loving God, but you know it says more throughout the scripture that he is a jealous God. He's a righteous God. He wants all of you, all of your attention, all of your affection, an undivided, consecrated heart. Consecration simply means that I'm giving all of me to all of you. Consecration. You know that they had a consecration room that really was the spark of the revival at Asbury. And they would go and they would consecrate themselves for hours before they'd even go out and minister on a stage. And that's what we're going to do today. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and we're going to respond to this message by consecrating ourselves, by repenting of maybe things that we've tried to hold on to, things that we haven't cut off, that we ought to have cut off a long time ago, things that we've held on to that we need to let go of. We're going to repent. We're going to let the Holy Spirit speak to us, and we're going to respond. Maybe you're going to choose to respond by getting on your knees today. Maybe you're going to choose to respond by coming to the altar because an altar is a place where things die. You need to cut some things off. You need to kill some things off today. I don't know what response Holy Spirit is speaking to you about, but he's calling you further. He's calling you deeper. He's calling you home. You wonder why you're facing anxiety? It's because you're trying to hold on to both. You wonder why you're struggling with stress? Because you're trying to live two different lives, and it's not becoming of you. It's not who he created you to be. Holy Spirit spoke to me about a young person in this room that went home for break. And you, you know real well what it's like, that, that wrestle between the flesh and those godly desires, and you gave in, you caved in to maybe an old struggle of addiction to porn. And there's the guilt and the shame of that, and you thought that this break was going to be different because of what God has done in your heart over the course of this year, but it It was back to the same old, same old. And I want you to know that God sees you and he hears your prayer and that he loves you and he's calling you back to him. If that's you and that's the wrestle that you've held on to, I want you to know that he sees you and he laid you on my heart and we've been praying for you before I even met you. 
I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me about someone that just recently went through a breakup. And you're feeling alone and lost right now. But I believe that this is a time of consecration where you get to give 100% of your affection to him. This is not a season where God wants to break you. It's a season where he wants to remake you in his image. Not, not determined by what somebody else's affections say about you, but what he says about you. He wants to rain his love and his affection on you. I felt like there's somebody in this room that you've created your whole identity around kind of a lukewarm faith. People see you as a leader, and yet you're not a leader that's pursuing God with your whole heart. And he's calling you to take the next step to go, it's time to pursue me with everything you've got. Even if it means breaking out of a friend group, breaking out of a mold that you set yourself in. This isn't who I am. I've never done that. I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy that go down, goes down and speaks to the speaker. I'm not the guy that goes down to the front. Well, you're that guy now or that girl now because God's calling you. He's pushing you out of some comfort zones. So God, we come to you today. We, we say, speak to us. We're asking you to call us deeper. We're asking you to, to call us to repentance. We're asking you to call us to give up and die to things that we ought to die to. Speak in this room, all over this room. Call us to you, Jesus. Give us an undivided heart, God, that we may fear your name. Come on, let's respond to him. What are you speaking?